Give a woman. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you so much. God, our hearts are so full, God. Full of thanksgiving, Lord God. For this day that you honor mothers, Lord God, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, Lord. God, we're so blessed at your goodness towards us. So blessed at your love towards us, Lord. I ask for your anointing, Lord God, upon the word. God, use these lips of clay, Lord God. Let me say what you're saying, Lord God. Move me out of the way. You take complete control, God. Have your way in this place. Have your way in our hearts, Lord God. Father, we don't want to just hear a word, Lord God. We want to change life, Lord God. A life that's more dedicated to you, Lord God. A life that's growing into a deeper love with you, Lord God. We want to be touched by you, Lord God, healed by you, changed by you. We say do that on this day, Lord God. Have your way as only you can. And we give you all thanks and praise. And let the church say amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We thank the worship team and uh, all of you. Those of you who honored your parents, you, you did a tremendous job. Just an awesome job. Amen. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Trying to get myself together here. <laughs> Once again, greetings to all of you that are mothers. You know, sometimes Mother's Day has some mixed emotions. You're happy and you're excited to be a mother, but there are challenges. And I'd like to wish you a happy Mother's Day with a card. And in case you're, especially for those of you, maybe your little one didn't get you a card. Maybe your big one didn't get you a card. <laughs> but I'd, write, I'd like to read to you a card from that child. Mom, when you look at me, try not to see all the hours of worry I caused you. Try not to think of the thousands of dollars you invested in me. Try not to remember the anxiety, the frustration, and just pure torture I put you through. Instead, think of what a great little character builder I've been. Amen. <laughs> Indeed, you are a woman of character, mothers. You know, there are some that are sitting here this morning that would say, I wish that I was a mother. I have never been able to conceive thus far. And I want to read to you God's word from Isaiah 66, 13. As a mother comforts a child, God says, so I will comfort you. Psalms 113 goes on to say, he makes the barren in the house as a joyful mother of children. God honors your pain. I assure you God will give you double for your trouble. God will birth in you something beautiful. God will birth in you something that will bring life to others. And to every single parent, God has not abandoned you. And God will provide for you. Genesis 21, 19 says, 
Speaking of Hagar, Hagar had been put out by Sarah into the wilderness with her child. And they were there alone, and she thought it was over. She thought she would die. And many of you single parents, you face many days that you think, I can't take anymore. I think it's over. I don't think I can go on. And God, she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Water is symbolic of life. Water is symbolic of the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. God will refresh you, single mom. God will bring life into your situations. Those of you that are raising young children, I remember those days <laughs> where you were always tired. You felt like you were always worn out. Well, the house was seldom clean. Isaiah 40, 11 says this. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. God carries your little ones close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. I know, young mothers, you need the gentle leading of the Lord. For every grandmother, every mother, once again, we salute you. We bless you. We say thank you for the love of the Lord that you have shown again and again. You exemplify true love. 1 Corinthians 13 says it this way, love is patient, not proud, it, do, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. I think only a mama keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. May your children rise up and call you blessed mother. For many of us who are sitting here, you may have lost a child. 46 4 said, you may have lost a mother. Isaiah 46, 4 says, even to your own old age and gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you and I will rescue you. God bless you. And just to give honor to the oldest mothers in the house, we'd like to honor especially the oldest in the house this morning, Mrs. Helen Dubrock, if you would stand, Mrs. Helen Taylor. Mrs. Louise Parker, Mrs. Mary Moore, Miss Rhea, and Miss Rose, you are a blessing. Thank you, mothers of this house. Now let's get into the word, church. Again, in life, we experience ups and downs, but too often as mothers, we're happy to be a mother, yet we deal with so much guilt, so much frustration, so much condemnation because we didn't do it right, or worse, our kids aren't doing it right. And my assignment this morning is to bring you from that place of guilt, that place of condemnation, to a place of hope, to a place of expectancy, to a place of encouragement. There was an anonymous citizen who wrote to the tax office 
And she enclosed over $1,000, and she said in an envelope, she went on to explain that I've cheated on my income tax, and it's caused me to lose my appetite. And she added, if my appetite doesn't increase, I will send the rest. <laughs> I've titled this message, church, There is a Hope. Ladies, especially on this Mother's Day, let's recognize that we are forgiven by God. Despite of the mistakes we've made, we don't have to wallow in guilt and condemnation. Let's enjoy what God has for us. Despite of all that Paul went through, he says it this way in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. He was determined. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't give up. That sounds like a mama to me. She won't stop. She won't give up. Mamas, we're determined to see our children saved. We're determined to see them be all that God has called them to be. And we have to be like Paul. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says it this way. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I reach forth, I strain toward what's, in, what's ahead. I don't stop. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I like what the children's verse says. It breaks it down so simple. I do not mean that I'm already as God wants me to be. I've not yet reached that goal, but I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. Christ wants me to do that. That is the reason Christ made me his. Brothers, I know that I have not yet reached the goal, but there's one thing I do. I forget the things that are past. I try as hard as I can to reach the goal that is before me. I keep trying to reach the goal and get the prize. That prize is mine. That prize is mine. My children belong to the Lord. I see them saved. That prize is mine. I see them delivered. That prize is mine because God called me through Christ to the life above. Press on because there is a reward. The prize is ours. And for that reason, we must press. I mean, we must press until we see a fire burning in our children. We must press until we see them sold out to the Lord. We must press until we see our sons and our daughters married, walking in unity, serving Christ in a stronger way. We must press on until we see them being all that God has called them to be. One day, a couple of weeks ago, we were watching our grandchildren. Kristen and Sam were away on a conference and I took them for a ride on, the, on their bicycles to the pond. They call it the water. And it's just a pond with a little water spout, and the water comes out real nice like an umbrella. And Izzy was just learning to ride his bike, and so I was teaching him, Izzy, press. Press with your right foot. Now press with this foot. Izzy, Izzy press. And Izzy was talking and chatting and, you know, riding slow, and Kylie was a little bit ahead. And... All of a sudden, it hit him. He said, Gammy, is Kylie going to beat me to the water? 
Sometimes we need a reason, church. <laughs> he said, is Kylie going to beat me to the water? And, I, you know, I was being a grandmother. And I said, you know, what the grandmothers could, what came to my mind was, yeah, is it a way you going? Kylie is so far ahead. You better start moving, son. And I said, well, Izzy, I don't know. I said, but you may want to speed it up. <laughs> and I want to let you know, Izzy sped it up. Izzy started pedaling so fast that I had to jog to keep up with him. But I want to say this to you, church. <laughs> he needed a reason. He needed a motivation. He needed to understand that he was in a race. And he had a prize that he began to push for. Church, mothers, we're in a race. We're in a race against the enemy because he wants our children. But he won't have them. I see the prize. I see the water ahead. I see the water of the Holy Ghost, the true and living God. I've got a reason to press on. I understand the race. And I shall win. You shall win. We've got to press on to the true and living water. There is a prize. There's a God that answers. There's a God that delivers. There's a God that saves. There's a God that sets free. There is a prize, church. There were times that on the way to the pond, that Kylie and Izzy would get off course. Izzy was all over because he was looking down at his feet. He was to the right. He was to the left. And, you know, I thought about it. I said, sometimes we're like that, moms. We're to the right. We're to the left. Sometimes our children are like that. They're this way. They're that way. But that is a straight and narrow path. And God will keep us on track. Sometimes I had to just gently lead Izzy back on track, back on the straight and narrow. And Jesus is that way with us. He gently leads us on the straight and narrow. You know, there are consequences when we get off track. There's punishment when we get off track. But there is a hope because we serve a God that's loving, because we serve a God who's merciful. Throughout the Bible and throughout the book of Hosea, we read about God's judgment and God's punishment. But we see interwoven threads of mercy and love. We see strands of hope. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 25, God instructed Moses with specific instructions about how the temple was to be built and what was to be included. Of course, we know in that temple, he had to include God said to include the Ark of his, the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolic of his presence. And of course, we know that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And I never knew this before, that what covers the Ark of the Covenant is called a mercy seat. <laughs> the mercy seat. <laughs> Psalms 133, 1 through 3 says it this way. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it goes on to say in verse 3, for there the Lord commanded the blessings, even life forevermore. 
I want someone to do something for me. Karina and Judith, if you would come up here. I want to demonstrate this. Genesis and Franklin explained this so awesome. And I want to explain it to you because I don't want you to miss it. See, I, I guessed it right. You're about, this, you're about this same height. Now, just turn like this. You stay right here. Karina, you face Judith. Now, just a little bit closer. Again, we're going to pretend that the Ark of the Covenant is right here. And remember, the mercy seat is the lid that covers the Ark of the Covenant. On top of the Ark of the Covenant are cherubim. And the Bible talks about how the wings of the cherubim meet. And the cherubim, their eyes are not facing one another, but they're looking down upon the mercy seat. What God is saying here is we may not see eye to eye with our sons and our daughters. We may not see eye to eye with others, but we're to look at them through the blood that's splattered on the mercy seat. We're to look at them through eyes of mercy, through eyes in love, because there, when we dwell together in unity, that's where the blessings come. That's where the blessings flow. Thank you. Thank you. We've got to dwell together in unity. God had warned Israel of what he would do, the punishments that he would bring. Because they were unfaithful, they were in and out, they would not listen. But then we see God, after saying all this, the scripture changes in Hosea 2, then God talks about his mercy. I'd like to read this, Hosea 2, verses 14 through 15. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. He's speaking of Israel. He's speaking of uh, the church. He's, he's speaking of his bride. I am going to allure her. She has messed up. Sure, I would bring the judgment, but I've got to show mercy because I'm a merciful God. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond, as in the days of her youth, as in the days that she came up out of Egypt. I'd like to just break this down a little bit. The scripture says, therefore, I'm now going to allure her. God's saying, I'm going to woo her back to me. Yes, she's messed up. She's gone the wrong way. He's gone the wrong way. Your son's messed up. The grandson's messed up. Messed up. The granddaughter's messed up. But God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lure her with my love. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to win her back. Even as a husband, you remember wives, huh? How your husband, maybe, maybe he's really good, and, and he, he's still talking that talk. He's still whispering sweet nothings in your ears. Maybe he's still doing all that. Maybe he, man, you may want to try to practice this every now and then. That what you used to do. Woo her again. How many of you women would like to be wooed again? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. My husband was saying something. I'm thinking, you know what? It would be nice if you just ran after me sometime. <laughs> One day he said I was running, running after you, but you wouldn't be caught. Man, you got to keep running. That's how you play this game. But um, the scripture tells us, I'm going to woo her, forgetting and forgiving her. I'm going to just show her my love. I'm going to right the wrongs. I'm going to bring her back to me. And I will lead her 
in it to the wilderness. The wilderness speaks of an uncultivated place. The wilderness speaks of an uninhabited place. But it's also a place where we encounter God. It's also a place where the, it's also a place where God revealed his law, where God revealed his will. It's also a place where God carried us, where he'll carry his sons and his daughters. Remember Jacob in the wilderness. That's where God made covenant with him. Remember Hagar in the wilderness. That's where she, became, she came to know the Lord as Jehovah Jireh. Remember Moses in the wilderness. That's where God trained him. That's where God blessed him. That's where God revealed his promises to him. So the wilderness is not so bad. If you're in a wilderness place, mama, if your sons or daughters are in a wilderness place, it's all right because God led you there. The scripture goes on to say, I will speak tenderly to her. This means God will speak directly to a heart, that wayward one, that messed up one, that one who hadn't done it all right. What comes from the heart touches the heart. God speak. God speak to our sons and daughters' heart that they might cry out with all their hearts, what must I do to be saved, God? That they might cry out unto you, the true and living God. Now we give her back her vineyards. It speaks of prosperity. This is a substantial gift that promises future prosperity. And I thought about it. I said, God, you talked about all the curses that you bring. If you read in previous chapters of Hosea, and now you talk about the blessings. God said, yeah, I will reverse the curse. Come on, Jesus. Reverse the curse. And this is how he reverses the curse. He says, I'll make your valley. Your valley of trouble. That's what Acar stands for. The valley of Acar means a valley of trouble. I'll make your valley of trouble a door of hope. When Israel was going into the promised land, the first territory that they had to take was Jericho. But Achan did what was wrong there. Achan took of the devoted things. God had given them instructions. Now listen, because you see the first belongs to the Lord. And he says, don't touch anything here. This is mine. I'm going to give you the rest of the spoils later down the road. Later down the road. But don't touch this. But Achan compromised. And he caused Israel to be defeated at Ai in the next battle. Sometimes we wonder why we're defeated in the next battle. Because you didn't do everything right in the first battle. Yeah, the first you won. But what God says, the first of his, the first is his. Sometimes we... Stay in that valley. God says, I'll make the valley a door of hope. But sometimes we stay in that valley because we compromise just as Achan did. We fail to go through the door of hope. Because you see, you got the wrong man you're hooked up with, the wrong bow, the wrong boo, whatever you want to call it. And you can't go through a valley of hope with the wrong man. You can't go through a valley of hope with the wrong mindset. 
You can't go through the valley of hope with doubt and defeat in your mind. You can't go through a valley of hope and you've got a poverty mentality and God wants to bless you. God wants to bring you out of the valley of trouble, but you can't go there like that. You've got to leave those things behind. But you see, after God dealt with the sin of Achan in that valley of trouble, after God dealt with the sin and the sinner, then that door of hope opened. Then, from that point on, Joshua experienced an unlimited amount of success. Sure, there were battles to fight, but he continued to succeed after the sin, after repentance, after all that was dealt with. And God said this to him in the next chapter. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, Mom, that they've messed up, that you've messed up. There's always a place of repentance. God's a merciful God. He'll always bless as long as we come to him, as long as we cry out to him. And, you know, some people are just comfortable in that valley. See, the valley of trouble is not a place that we're to stay. We're to go through the door of hope. God says, I'll make the valley of trouble a door of hope. But we get comfortable. We get used to it. Oh, I'm used to them treating me rough on the job. I'm used to this unfairness. That's just how it is. We, we, we get comfortable and we accept something that God has not called us to accept. God has more. God has a better plan, but you've got to walk through the door of hope that God has provided. Jesus always gives us a choice, church. We can stay in the valley of trouble or we can walk through the door of hope. In some states, there's a, um, they have gates, automatic gates, even along the roadways. And as long as you, they stay, um, they're closed, but they're open as long as you continue to go, to move forward. In church, there are gates and doors for us that are open. As long as we content, as long as we move forward in the things of the Lord. But if you stop on the highway, on the roadway, where these automatic gates are, the gate will not open. And some of you have stopped in your valley of trouble. And so the gates, the doors have not opened up for you. Sometimes things aren't clear in our valley. So we have to see, through eyes of faith, a bigger picture. We have to make a faith response. There's a place in, um, in Tennessee where you can see, if you go up to Lookout Mountain, you can see seven different states. It's just, ama it's just a, an amazing place. But you have to come up. And you have to, you know, and sometimes even in our lives, church, even in our lives, mothers, we have to come up to a higher place. We have to see things from a faith perspective, not just where we are. We have to see the whole picture, all seven states. We have to see what God's doing over here, what he's going over there. We have to see that God's working it out, God's total plan. God won't leave your daughter there. God won't leave your sons there. But if, if it's cloudy, you can't see 
all seven states because the clouds block the view. And sometimes, church, we let the clouds, we let the gloom and the doom block our view of all that God has for our children, of all that God has for us. But the plan is still there. Even though you may not be able to see it because it's a cloudy day, the plan is still there. All seven states are still there. God's bigger plan, his bigger purpose, it's still there. The scripture says, and I'm about to close. I told Neil I thought I would be long. It must just be my nature, babe. <laughs> they don't mind. One, one daughter told her mom, she told the mother said to the daughter, she said, oh, Sister Angela's preaching this morning. She said, I'm going to church with your mama. I know she won't be long. So I won't be long. <laughs> Lastly, the scripture tells us that she responded to the love of the Lord. She responded to the mercy of the Lord as in the days of her youth. Our sons and our daughters, church, will, will respond. And this is what it means as in the days of their youth. Speaking of Israel, Israel will respond as in the days when she crossed the Red Sea. Israel will, will respond as in the days when she, crossed the Red, when she crossed the River Jordan. And I'm reminded that Miriam came out. When they had come out of Egypt and crossed over, Miriam came out with a tambourine and with dancing. Your sons and your daughters will come out. They will respond to the love of the Lord with dancing. They will respond to the love of the Lord with joy in their hearts. Mothers, we will respond to the Lord, to his wooing, to his encouragement, to his mercy, with dancing, with joy in our hearts, with encouragement. God promises a new covenant to people who have repented, to people who have been unfaithful, to people that have messed up. And I'll just read in Hosea 2, 23, what some of this new covenant includes. It says, I will show love to those I called not love. And to those I called not my people, I will say, now you are my people. And they will reply, you are my God. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your commitment and your covenant to us that's unchanging. God, we choose to respond. We respond to your love, to your tenderness, with the love and the tenderness towards you. We respond to, with a yes, Lord. Yes, we will press on. We respond to God that changes not. We will persevere. We respond, God. We will show mercy, Lord God. Mercy towards others, Lord. Mercy towards one another. We will receive your mercy, God. We're not walking guilt nor condemnation, God. But we'll respond, Lord God, with eyes of faith, God. We'll see the bigger picture that you have for our lives. Not just the valley of trouble, Lord. We'll see the door of hope, God. And Father, we respond in faith. We choose to walk through it, God.
We choose to walk to a place to receive all that you have for us this morning. And Father, we give you all thanks and all praise. And let the church say, amen and amen.